Hey, before we begin, I want to let you know about a new show from Curious Cast that I think you might be into. It's called Russia Rising. Putin's Russia has been accused of using internet trolls, hackers, and even assassins to influence the West. This new investigative podcast hopes to unravel the giant mystery that is Russia with the help of those who know her best. Russian trolls, hackers, Putin supporters, and even a former KGB spy. Join Global News Europe Bureau Chief Jeff Semple on a journey to find out how Russia has gone from tenuous ally to a potential global threat. Listen to Russia Rising for free at CuriousCast.ca or wherever you're enjoying This Is Why. I was in a position bound and ready to be killed. I was just the lucky one. Canadian serial killer Bruce MacArthur has pleaded guilty to killing eight men. Now Canadians will have to figure out how to remember those victims without breathing life into the memory of his heinous crimes. I'm Nikki Reitmeyer, and this is Why. Starting in 2010, men started to go missing in Toronto. In the years that followed, a pattern started to emerge. All of these men were going missing from Toronto's gay village. There was rumors of a serial killer. Rumors that police played down. But 18 years later, they would arrest Bruce MacArthur, a now 67-year-old landscaper. He would eventually be charged with eight counts of murder. As you know, on January the 18th, Bruce MacArthur was arrested. He has been charged with seven counts of first-degree murder in relation to the deaths of Salim Essen, Andrew Kinsman, Sarush Mahmoodi, Dean Lisowick, Majid Kaihan, Skanda Navaratnam, and Abdul Basir Faisi. New charges against Bruce MacArthur, an eighth murder this time. The victim who was the man in the photo that police had released, Sergeant Hank Itzinga, gave some details on who the man was. I can now report that the remains have been identified as Kirushna Kumar Kanagaratnam. How did he do it? Lure men, kill them, dispose of the bodies... Well, one man who knows more about MacArthur's process than anyone else is Sean Cribben. This man has made me the shell of the person that I used to be and my confidence and, and I mourn for the loss of what I used to be. Sean was close to being one of MacArthur's victims and narrowly escaped with his life. He gave an exclusive interview to Global News about what happened that day. It was a beautiful sunny day, clear, clear, clear sky. Sean first met Bruce on a dating app. They chatted back and forth, but they didn't meet in person until the summer of 2017. It was a daytime meeting. I was supposed to be there about to meet him about 12 noon, I believe. I went to the designated meeting place, and that's uh, when I got in his uh, truck. When I got in the truck, I had a conversation with Mr. MacArthur about 
a serial killer being at large. When I said there was a serial killer, he didn't respond. It was just like the conversation uh, kind of went into what he does for a living. And they made small talk about how Bruce had a roommate, but not to worry, the roommate was at work. When they got to MacArthur's house... I went uh, to put on the things that he um, asked me to put on, and uh, he mixed me a drink. This drink contained GHB, but Sean knew the drink had GHB in it. GHB is a drug that uh, causes a euphoria, um, puts you at ease and makes you comfortable and a little bit um, heightens the sexual encounter. There's a fine line with GHB because it is the date rape drug. If you go over, if you know what you're doing, you can certainly uh, knock someone unconscious very easily. Uh, That day, it was agreed that I would... uh, submit to his experience that had been indicated on his profiles. His, his big things, as I know them, were um, he liked to find submissives, find their um, buttons that he could push, find what their edge was, and then push them over it. The fear that I started to feel uncomfortable that day for the first time was I couldn't breathe. That's, I have memories of, of not being able to catch my breath throughout the beginning, um, early on. And that, um, that made me uncomfortable and, and put the rest, first red flag up that I, that I wanted to go home because he wasn't, I felt, respecting my limits. Um, he was basically uh, raping my throat. At this point, I'd started to sweat quite a bit, which for me would be an indicator that I had a larger dose than what I would have felt normally. When I started to feel uncomfortable, I think at that point, that might have been the point where it was too late for me to know what was happening to a degree, because I think I, at that point, I may have gone unconscious. I know there has been evidence that has been suggested by the police that I was unconscious, and in that evidence, there is definite signs that I was in a position, bound and ready to be killed. I was in pretty much, for lack of a better term, a kill position for him. And I, why it stopped, I don't have all the information the police have. All I can go on is what I, I think. And it's the roommate coming home, interrupting his, whatever his process is or his ritual. And uh, thank God for me. I don't know how long I was unconscious, but at that point, I could hear the roommate was home. And I did say to um, Bruce, 
I said, oh, your roommate's home. Like, uh, like, and I was starting to use this as my way to like end, end this. And uh, I gathered my stuff. I don't remember getting home that day. I don't remember how I left. It hadn't dawned on me how much danger I was in that day and how close I was to not coming back. And that is also um, something that haunts me, and gives me nightmares. This occurred in the summer, uh, about halfway through the summer, and the police contacted me the day after his arrest. I was with my partner and I had brought an article out without a picture of Bruce and said, oh, they caught the serial killer. And then a few minutes, maybe 15, 20 minutes later, he comes down to the bedroom with his tablet with full picture saying, this is the man that did it. And I went, oh my God, we have an open relationship and it works quite well for us. The only thing that particular day, the rule that I broke was I didn't tell him where I was going. And that's something that's very hard for me today because I would have um, had it gone through. I would have just disappeared. The police had found photos that MacArthur had taken of Sean while he was unconscious before the roommate came home. That's how they knew to contact Sean after they arrested MacArthur. And that's how they knew how close Sean had come to becoming yet another one of Bruce MacArthur's victims. You don't go into these things thinking it's going to be you. You hear about them happening to other people, but it's just, it still blows me away today that this this happened to me. I was just the lucky one. Like, that's all. It could happen to anyone. Coming up later in this episode. I want to talk about uh, one of the victims uh, rather than talk about this dirtbag that everybody else has talked about enough. How can we remember a victim of crime without breathing life into the memory of their killer? You're listening to This Is Why, a national radio show and podcast from Global News. Download and subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you download your favorite shows now. Uh, Hi, I'm Mike Brown. I am the host of the Dark Poutine Podcast. So you're a guy that knows a lot about Canada's darker history. Well, I don't know if... if (laughs) Yes, I am that guy, yeah. Mike's podcast, Dark Poutine, it's like a cousin to this podcast, maybe even more like a sibling to this podcast. We're both in the Curious Cast family anyways. I've been interested in it ever since I was a little kid. So uh, I actually was the victim of uh, a couple of violent crimes when I was a younger person. So, well, one of the things that happened to me when I was younger is a man attempted to abduct me when I was uh, 11 years old. So, uh, you know, and this was all during the time that Clifford Olson was doing his thing is when I had my experience. So, 
emotionally, my I'm all tied up with that whole situation. But that's why I became really interested in crime and its effect that it has on society and people, uh, the victims and their families. So that's why we approach uh, our podcast the way we do. And on your show, you do talk about the murders and the, and the cases that have happened in, in Canada, but you yes. also give, we, I think, quite a bit of respect to the to the victims of these crimes. That's what our that's sort of our mandate is to uh, do no harm. Mm. You know, p- these people have been through enough. We do bring up cases that some people are starting to forget about, for example, and I don't know how this has happened, but some people didn't know who Clifford Olson was. And Clifford Olson was a, was a horrible monster who lived in uh, Surrey, B.C. and did his nastiness uh, in the lower mainland here, uh, killing 11 children. We found that some people didn't even know who this guy was. So as a result, his name is not only forgotten, but these 11 victims are also forgotten. So when we did our when we did our episodes on that, we approached it from let's talk about these victims first and not even name him until later on when the police are kind of on to this guy. So we talked about him as the monster. Right. And we talked about um our victims as uh a young boy who's 9 years old didn't really do anything other than want to go for a bike ride and see his buddies and disappears. So um, I think that's what gets forgotten a lot of times. We've heard a lot lately about the Ted Bundy tapes on on Netflix and how people are upset that the victims did to get more attention. I I totally agree. I think there should be an hour-long show on each one of these people who get get taken away uh, rather than talk about this dirtbag that everybody else has talked about enough and you know it's uh i'm i'm a little emotional when it comes to that kind of stuff but but the way you approach it i i think is is very honest to the way that these cases unfold you mm-hmm. know it, it first happens with one victim and then yeah. the next victim yeah and then the next victim and when we talk about a monster like bruce MacArthur, starting yes. in the early 2000s it was right. one victim went missing a next victim yes. went missing yes and it wasn't until you know a decade and a half later essentially exactly that yeah. we actually found out mm-hmm. who the monster was yes exactly let's talk about the bruce MacArthur case sure who is bruce MacArthur? Uh, well, Bruce MacArthur is a, now a convicted serial killer of eight persons from the LGBTQ community in Toronto. He was also a landscaper. He was also a dad. He was also, he's also a grandfather. He was a family man who somehow, you know, snapped. I have other opinions on on where he started. Because if you look back, there are uh, there's a, quite a lot of unsolved murders that they believe were happening in the 1970s in Toronto in that community, and uh, and then they all of a sudden stopped. Typically, when a, it's believed or it has been believed, when a serial killer stops, it's because uh, they're in jail or they've died. Um, however, BTK. And uh, the Green River Killer have proven that those two things are may not be the reason. Maybe these guys are trying to stop on their own and they have, you know, tried to have a normal life 
and MacArthur may be one of those guys who um, he got married, right. he had kids, yeah. and then he had a focus that kept him away from that life. But over time, that obsession that he had with, uh, with murder and uh, deviant sexual behavior drove him back into um, doing the things that he was doing. Uh, he ended up being divorced after his kids were grown, and uh, um, and I think that's that's probably part of where it's just like okay, now I can go back and do my thing. I don't know. We've talked about his job a lot when discussing this case, mm-hmm. and that is for well, what has become a very obvious reason. Yes. He was a landscaper, yes. and that ties into how he hid some of these bodies. Yeah, so essentially what he did was uh, he had access to this property that he wasn't just their landscaper. Apparently he took care of this property for people when they were traveling as well. So he would look into making sure that everything was okay. So he had access to a place where he could be all by himself. It was quite isolated uh, be all by himself and not have um, people breathing down his neck. It wasn't his own home, so he didn't. He wasn't afraid of uh, giving himself up there. So essentially, what he did is he buried seven of these men. He dismembered them and buried them in various pots around, like flower pots, and and uh, in different places around the yard. And they found after he started talking uh, down in the ravine from the home, they found another body, which brought his total to eight. So, Do you think that one day Bruce MacArthur's name will fade away in the memories of Canadians? Probably. Hopefully. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but at the same time, those victims uh, of his... Something I don't know. It's it's really tough. Like you want that guy never to be erased from history, kind of thing. But if you do that, then there's those other eight people who also disappear. Well, that's the fine line, isn't yeah. it? That you don't want his name to yeah. be glorified or his name to be remembered. But if it's forgotten, are his victims as well? Mm-hmm. So, what's the best thing then? that we can do to make sure that we keep our focus on the victims and not forget their names. Well, talk about who they are. Talk about where they came from. Talk about the things they like to do. Um, when when I read a, a true crime book, that's kind of my gauge, is how much attention did this author pay um, to trying to figure out um, who this... Uh, young lady was who may get picked up by a trucker and murdered. Um, you know, did she prefer apples to oranges kind of thing? Um, I, I want to know those things so I can I can connect with that person as a, as a real human being and not just as, you know, a murder victim. This is Why is produced by John O'Dowd and me, Nikki Reitmeyer. It's a national radio show and a podcast. Download and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you download your favorite podcasts from. A big special thanks this week to the guys from Dark Poutine. 
That is also a Curious Cast podcast. It's all about true crime, and like you heard, they really focus on the victim's story, and you should give it a listen. And you can find it wherever you're finding this show online. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you next week.